On this episode, I get the opportunity to sit down with Barry Habib. He personally has originated over $2 billion in mortgages and is a major commentator for the mortgage industry. His approach is to be an advisor to your client and not just a salesperson. So listen close as Barry discusses how to do just that, which will help you to not only find jumbo loans, but to also crush your competition and close those million-dollar deals. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million-dollar opportunities. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience. I'm John Maddox, and I'm here with Barry Habib. How's it going? I'm doing awesome, brother. Great. Thanks for coming in. Um, We're talking about all kinds of things today. We're talking about interest rate hikes. We're talking about non-QM. We're talking about how to become more effective uh, in your career. And so um, one of the things that we were just talking about, Barry, was we were talking about, um, you know, rates of four and three quarters right now, right? They've gone up. You know, some, some of the A paper rates are in the five. But our rates, you know, non-QM are going to be sometimes in the high sixes and the low sevens. Does that a reason for someone to not do a mortgage because the rates are high? No, because if you take a look at the alternatives and you look, an advisor as opposed to a salesperson takes a look at the whole picture, right? right. So uh, maybe for some people it might not pay. It depends on length of stay, depends on what their circumstances. But for a lot of people, they're not even given the opportunity to look at it because the, sale, the salesperson in the mortgage industry doesn't understand the market, doesn't understand how to present it, and doesn't really understand the advisor role here. So, okay. so to, in today's market, Barry, what, what would be the average home buyer's age? Well, it really depends. You know, the average age of a first-time home buyer is 33 years old. 33, okay. What about okay, That's according to Zillow, but uh, but it runs the gamut on an average home buyer. I'm not really sure what the age of the average home buyer. What about yeah. average credit score? Average credit score is right now 721, 721. on a purchaser, but it doesn't mean that there's a lot of people who aren't significantly below that that or could looking, benefit from it. Right, or yeah. that they're out there looking. Absolutely, yeah, they're looking, and they really are in a position where they have the means to purchase, but their credit score means that the only way that they can get that purchase is with a non-QM loan. Right. And sometimes the loan officer won't even bring that opportunity to them because the loan officer is afraid of quoting a 7% rate. Yeah, where it if they high. Yeah, it does seem high initially, unless you look at it in the context of the overall transaction. See, if the loan officer were an advisor instead and had the benefit of understanding the historical data, what they'd be able to do is they'd be able to say, well, look, depending on where you were, depending on what the average appreciation has been for the past, let's say, five years, look at a home that you would have bought then with a non-QM loan Mm -hmm. versus if you had the opportunity, even though you couldn't buy it with a regular loan. Now, you will have gained appreciation, which would be significant. You'd have gained significant amortization. And the negative would be you would have had to pay a lot more money in monthly payments. But when you weigh it all out, for example, in Orange County on a $600,000 home, you'd benefit by $180,000, which is very significant. If you took a similar scenario today going forward, say an $800,000 home, if you took that forward five years based on what seems to be a a pretty modest rate of appreciation, 4.51% is the forecasted annual average appreciation over the next five years. Mm -hmm. So it's not talking crazy numbers here. Right. That home value would go up, believe it or not, $197,000. That's the power of compounding leverage. That's the power of, of uh, the the amazing uh, ability for you to gain value through even modest levels of appreciation. So that would be $197,000 you'd gain in five years. Right. 
you'd amortize about $42,000 of that. So now you're up to about $240,000 roughly. Now you would have paid, you would have paid about $40,000 more on a non-QM loan because the interest rates are than a regular loan. Bank. But remember, you don't have the MI. So factoring all that together, mm-hmm. you'd pony up an extra $40,000. That's $200,000 net <laughs> yeah. better for you. And if you had credit issues, isn't it a lot easier to get rid of those credit issues with an extra $200,000 than not? I would think that it is. All day long, yes. So, and a lot of people are tripping over dollars to pick up dimes. It's kind of yes. what that, that kind of mentality is. Like, well, no, I don't want to take a loan unless the rate's, you know, the bank rate. And a lot of that, a lot of these people are self-employed. They're, they're also, they, you know, human. So they've got, you know, the element of, you know, credit issues here and there. Look, life is not about perfect. Right. Okay. Life is about the best of the choices you have available. So would we all love to have the most perfect credit score? We'd all love to, but what if you don't because of whatever circumstances that occurred? So your choice isn't, you know, to get that perfect credit score, but now, do you want to make another bad choice or do you want to make the next Which best choice? Which is staying on the sidelines being Correct. a for the rest of your life. A good advisor will advise that customer to make the next best choice of the choices that are available to you. Right. And of those choices available, if you understand the data, if you understand your market, if you do the correct analysis, you make an extremely compelling case to move forward with that transaction, even if the rate's higher temporarily with a non-QM loan. So I know there's tools out there to, to help us with this kind of stuff. I know you have your tool, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your... Well, MBS Highway does exactly that. It takes you, it takes a loan originator from being a salesperson and, and helps them become a much more effective advisor to that client so and to that seen, real estate agent as well. Have you seen a, an increase in loan production with someone who wasn't oh, no. using MBS? Did someone dr- started using it's it? It's dramatic because it's all about conversion. It's all about converting, right? So, you know, we all know that Zillow's coming into the market. We know that you've got Rocket Mortgage. We know that uh, Amazon's not too far behind. 190 million hits a month. Right. Uh, It'd be silly for them not to get into the business, right? So we know that there's going to be more big hands in the pie. Right. And we know that the pie is shrinking because refinances are at the lowest level of sheer number of refinances that they've been for the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. Purchases are hanging in there. Right. You know, uh, rates are higher. Prices are higher. Inventory is lower. And still the amount of purchase transactions are hanging in there exceptionally well, which speaks to the underlying strength in the purchase market. But overall, the pie shrunk. Well, rent's still high. Rents are high and they're going up. And that's just because of the, the constricted inventory. I, I think that, yes, it's constricted inventory, but the media, which has been wrong for the past six years on saying how bad home, home investment is, has scared so many people away from it that they're flocking towards rents. And rents, which had been going up on average at 3.6% per, per year for mm-hmm. rents, are now going up 4.1%. And here's the reason why. More people are renting now because they're afraid to purchase, and that is pushing rents in higher demand right. and pushing the rental prices higher. Gosh. I heard something like half of people's income goes to rent in like Silicon Valley. And well, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me there because uh, it's it's expensive. It's yeah. expensive. You know, fortunately for them, the incomes are pretty high. Yeah. So. Yes, exactly. Because it leaves them some disposable income as well. So you've you've been around the business for a while. You know, you had a mortgage company before, um, and and you know, you originated a lot of loans. I think you said two billion. Right? Two billion dollars in originations, yes. myself and one assistant. And you you've seen the rates in the it, it, double digits, right? And. 
Boy, I remember when it was 13%, you know, yeah. I'm clearly dating myself, but yes, I do remember that. So right. rates, um, rates and sold, again. And you sold a lot of loans? Everybody did, did a lot of yeah. transactions. Now remember, you know, it's it's not the same market. I'll be the first to tell you that it's not the same market sure. because prices are lower, so lower rates are a lever that kind of works with that, okay? Right. Uh, so, you know, you'll find some equilibrium. And that said, uh, although affordability is a little bit worse than it had been, it's still within the range where there's equilibrium there. So mar- some markets are really hot, some markets are less affordable, some are more affordable, but but still what we are discovering is that uh, in the context of there being good equilibrium, you have that. Now, uh, does that mean that if interest rates on mortgages went from at their current levels of below 5% to over 6% or 7%, that that wouldn't put any stress on the market? Of course it would. Sure. It would put stress on the real estate market. But because inflation is relatively low, we don't see that big jump in interest rates. So we think interest rates remain at pretty good levels, right. although you might see them rise a little bit here. We don't see them going above 6% or anywhere towards 7%. All right, well, that's good stuff. This is on your Yeah, your paper, paper, right, right. Yeah, I, I think uh, non, non-QM rates are, you know, from five to seven or even some, some of them are in the eights. But, you know, so a lot of loan officers today are, uh, you know, they're, they're still, you know, putting in their hours, you know, they're working hard. But, uh, you know, a lot of loan officers, I think, out there are, are spending a lot, they're, they're, they're putting in a lot of effort. You know, they're, they're checking their emails, they're responding to emails, there's a lot of effort going out there. You know, they're out there passing out flyers, they're, they're knocking on doors, but there's a lack of effectiveness that's happening, I think. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Efficacy is is, is critical. Um, How can a, a loan officer take that effort and turn it into being effective? So you have you have three duties that you do, right? You, there there's prospecting, selling, and follow up. That's this that's what you do. Yeah. You, you prospect, you sell, you follow up. There's only one of those three places you make money. There's only one, and that's selling. Yeah. So the more time you spend selling the greater the chances you're gonna increase your income. Now, if you wanna really maximize that, it's your conversion and your closing ratios. Now, I don't mean closing, you know, gets through processing and closing. I mean, the person on the phone commits to doing the application with you. That's conversion. That's what the best advisors do, which are also the best salespeople. But the best salespeople become the best salespeople because of the tools that they use mm-hmm. and the way that they present. Right. You know, you're on stage when you're presenting and, and, and you're on stage when you're on the phone with that customer. In the first five minutes, that customer is going to decide whether they want to do business with you or not. Are they learning from you? Are you giving the same old crap that everybody else is? Do you sound like a salesperson or are you truly giving them knowledge? And we all know it's better to give knowledge, but you know, in order to do that, you have to have done the work in advance of that. You have to have studied your market, understand it, have the tools that will help you do that. And then explain to the customer that while rate, of course, is a component of this, What's really important is understanding the financial opportunity in real estate. Look, we say we're in the mortgage business, but the fact of it is nobody wants a mortgage. We're we're in the business of, of, correct, we're in the business of helping them purchase real estate. So we're really in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that you need to articulate that opportunity to the customer. How do you take a a person outside of the rate shopping? So they're, you know, the ones, what's your rate? What's your rate? What's your rate? How do you get that customer to get their mind off the rate and onto the, the opportunity or... 
So what I first like to do is, you know, listen, you have to quote a rate, you quote a rate, okay? Right. And if you're competing, you know, you, to, wherever the category of the person is, if, the, if that person's non-QM customer, right. you're in a range of non-QM competition. If they're an A-paper customer, you're in the range of A-paper, okay? Right. So if you're, once you find out your range, then let's just say if your rate's four and seven eighths, I'm sorry, your rate's 5% and your competitors are four and seven eighths, okay? Right. Not uncommon for many of us in the industry to be in that position. Oh, it's so competitive, uh, right? right? With so, down to an yeah. eighth, down to a funding fee. So, so everybody knows, hopefully everybody knows, that four and seven eighths is better than 5%. Right. So what an advisor does is has a consultation as an advisor. Doesn't try and give them a BS answer. Doesn't try and skirt the issue. That's a salesperson. That's boiler room tactics. That's disgusting. Yeah. Okay. And I, I see a lot of sales trainers. You burn out that way. Oh, forget, I, I see sales trainers actually teach that stuff. And it's so bad. They probably never have written a loan in their life. Okay. Sure. You know, I've written a lot of loans. People want to know what the rate is, and you need to be honest and upfront with them. Right. So, hey, look, we're at five percent, they're at four and seven eighths. But here's the thing: on that three hundred thousand dollar home or loan, whatever it is, right. what is the difference between four and seven eighths and five percent? Is it somewhere in the neighborhood of? I'm going to imagine. uh, $21, $22, $23 a month. What does that come out to weekly? This 4.33 weeks in a month. And so when you break that down, you get, you know, five bucks for the week. When you break that down daily and it's 65 cents a day, Mm -hmm. I asked the customer the question. So, So here it is. If you received an extra 65 cents a day, would you now be able to buy another Mercedes or Mercedes? Would you now go on that European vacation? Would you Would you even be able to celebrate gaining 65 cents a day because you couldn't afford to, right? right. You couldn't do anything more than what you're doing now. Is that right? right? Or put another way, if you lost 65 cents a day, you lost 65 cents a day, would you now not be able to send your kids to college? Could you no longer go to the movies with your family? Could you no longer go out to eat? Could you no longer buy the big screen TV? Would it impact even one decision in your life? Would it? And the answer is always no. So why are you making me freaking nuts over this? Why are we spending so much time over this? Look, okay, 60 cents a day. Is that what's important? Or let's focus on the opportunity. Because if we're looking at the purchase of that home, if we're looking at the value of the home, if we're looking at the amortization of the loan, if we're looking at the alternatives and the best product, the best choices, let me figure out for you, are we doing this loan on an 80-10-10? We doing it with MI? We doing it with upfront MI? We doing it with monthly MI? Let me make those comparisons for you. Should you pay points? Should you not pay points? Let's do the analysis in all those because those are going to be tens of thousands of dollars difference. Right rather than 65 cents a day difference. Yeah, because often you get, you know, there's a trade-off. So if you want, you know, maybe get a lower interest rate, sometimes it's going to take a lot longer because they're so backed up. There's all kinds of trade-offs. So if you're learning, you know, like you're saying, the, the art and the becoming a practitioner, becoming an expert, actually caring about your 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 career, right? Instead of a job, now it's a career. It's, well, that's the thing is, is some people say they're in the mortgage business eight years. I say, was it eight years or is it one year eight times? You know, right. what, what have you learned each each year? What are you doing to really grow? Have you truly made the the change from being a salesperson into being an advisor? And that's what it takes. You have to be an advisor by really understanding and mastering your craft, not just qualifying somebody. Somebody says, well, I don't know how to read a tax return. This, that. Well, good for you. That's the price of admission. Sure. I mean, would a customer ever want to deal with somebody who didn't know how to do that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Or would they want to at least have not just that, but somebody who understands 
understands the local real estate market, understands what the potential pitfalls could be, knows what the benefits are of purchasing this home versus another. They could actually do a property comparison. Take a look at two homes. What would they appreciate based upon forecast? What would that give them in wealth creation? And what are the differences based on all the variables of those two homes and help them make that better decision? Because most people look at eight or 10 homes and they've narrowed it down to two and they're like, I just don't know which one. It would be great if you could help them on a financial basis, if it's a flip of a coin, make the right decision based on which one would create the most wealth for you. And you're coming alongside of the and by the way, and By the way, who does that? Yeah. Who does it? Just the very best. So if you want to be the very best, that's how you do it. So that's taking a lot of effort, but that equates to being effective. And that's, and that's what is critical because you started off asking the question. So effort is really important. You know, that's the greatest thing about sales is sales is fair. You know, if it comes to something like, let's just say athletics, okay, Mm -hmm. you have to either be young or fast or strong or (laughs) tall or there's so many things that some of us have the desire, have the drive, would be willing to put in all the work and effort. Right. We're just not going to get the result because we just don't have that God-given skill. That's what's so great about sales is because all you need is one thing and that's right here. It's heart. Where is your heart? Where is your drive? Because if you have that desire and drive to master your craft and to learn mm-hmm. and to understand so that you convey that information and work really hard, you can win regardless of how tall you are, how fast you are, how young sure. you are, how strong you are. There's no okay. excuses. You, you are able to win. Uh, and that's the great thing about it. But that takes putting in the effort. Now, yeah. once you put in effort, you decide to put in effort. You got to be pretty smart about how you utilize that effort to make sure that that effort is is going to create maximum results. That's because, great. as you said, uh, effort and and efficacy are two different things. Definitely. One one last thing I want to leave us with is you know this is the million dollar mortgage experience. So, uh, what are your thoughts on adding to let's say a lot of people have a pipeline full of you know a paper loans, but you know to add to that. Uh, like a tool to get non-QM jumbo. Is that is that something that you think you know you could add another million to your pipeline? You could add another, you know, one point five. And, and, and here's one of the things: is, is you know you do a two million dollar loan, or you can do ten two hundred thousand dollar loans. The, the 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 payout is the same to to originator. Well, the thing is, is that it's hard to say because people are in different markets, so it's hard to say what that is. But it's my strong opinion that if you are not fluent in understanding the QM loan, the non-QM loan world, that you're missing an opportunity. And just remember this, is that you've already got Zillow, you've already got Rocket Mortgage and their ads, you're gonna have Amazon, you've already got all these other companies out Mm -hmm. there. Why open a door for a referral that came in that you could do if you understood non-QM and let another originator or another source get that and now have a doorway in to that referral source of yours. Absolutely. You really need to- You need to protect that. You need to really build a fence around your referral sources and grow them. And I think that this is a way that you can grow it because you could do that to somebody else. You could say, okay, well, they can't do this. Now I've got a doorway in to show what I can do if you understand the non-QM business. Love it. I think that's it for today. Well, thanks for uh, listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for coming by, Barry. It's my pleasure, brother. 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's Fun Loans together.